Good morning, I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! The first lesson today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Please listen now for the word of God proclaimed. Now during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands upon them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of grace and power, did wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freemen, freedmen, as it was called, the, Cyrene the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is continuation in Acts. We are starting in Acts 7.54, and we will go through 8.1. Uh, again, continuing on Stephen's story. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground, ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, they all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. 
and Saul approved of their killing him. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging out off both men and women. He committed them to prison. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you all probably know who Gene Simmons is, one of the members of the group KISS. 70s, all makeup, sticking his tongue out all over the place all the time. I'm going to read a lengthy quote. Uh, he was recently, in May of this year, just two and a half months ago, he visited the Pentagon to promote military service on May 16th, 2019. He was there to speak about his mother who recently died at the age of 93. She was 14 when she was put in a Nazi concentration camp, and this is what he said, quote, I was born in Israel. I'm a proud son of a concentration camp survivor in Nazi Germany. My mother was 14 when she was in the camps. My mother just passed at 93. But if Americans could see and hear my mother talk about America, they would understand. I'll just cut to the chase. When we first came to America, my mother let me stay up and watch TV with her. I couldn't speak English very well, and my mother could barely get by. She worked six days a week, and at night we would watch the news and whatever, and by 12 o'clock, the three or four TV stations, this dates this whole scenario, and ourselves, by 12 o'clock, the three or four stations would go off the air, remember? And we would just hear the just noise, and people would presumably go to sleep. Before then, we saw a jet flying through the sky, and a man with a very deep voice was saying something. I couldn't understand it. And then the jet turned skyward and flew seemingly into the heavens through the clouds. And I remember what the man said, dot, 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 and saw the face of God. And then it melted into a black and white, because in those days we didn't have color. The flag was full screen, billowing, and I heard the beginning of the national anthem. I didn't know what it was or what was going on, but I knew at that point it was time to go to sleep. It was late. And every time, every time my mother saw the flag, she would start crying. As an eight-year-old boy, I didn't understand why, but from my mother's point of view, we were finally safe. Safe for everybody. That's the goal. Don't be ashamed. Don't hesitate. We need to teach young people to be comfortable saying, God bless America. Gene Simmons, who would have thought? Profound words from a crazy man on stage. But a reminder of why we celebrate what we do today. And that is the celebration of our July 4th day of independence. And we do so by sharing this passage in Acts about Stephen, who was considered to be the first martyr. Now, we are 
preaching through the book of Acts chronologically this summer. Not every bit in peace, but hitting the highlights. So if you remember, so we are in chapter 6, ending in chapter 8 today. So if you'll remember, chapter 1 was just after the crucifixion. Jesus had been raised and was appearing to different people, and then he ascended, went into heaven. Chapter 2, the Spirit descended to be that presence of God that will always be with us, that we celebrated here with Wells, the presence of God's Spirit with us from that day forward, the presence of God that is still with us today. Chapter 3, Peter and John now going out in Jesus' name, being empowered by that Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost, chapter 2. And they did a miraculous healing that completely upset the community. It upset the leadership because they had to admit something had happened, because they healed a man who everybody knew was ill and couldn't walk, and they healed him and allowed him, gave him life to walk again. So now, by the thousands, people are coming forward. They saw this deed, and the Jewish leadership can't have that. If this is starting to sound familiar, wait. They were threatened by what was going on with John and Peter and this healing. So they arrest them, and finally they let them go because there's so many people, they're afraid of being overtaken by the followers, but they command them not to speak of this Jesus or this event that happened in his life again. No more of that Holy Spirit business. Just shush and we'll let you go. So said, fine. They go on. That was chapter four. Chapter five, they continue to preach. They continue to be a problem for the Jewish leadership till finally they are arrested again. And that night, the angel let them out of prison to go and to preach the word. So as they are doing so, the council comes together because they think they're still in prison. Jailers, come, where are they? They're not here. Uh, somebody said they're preaching down at the temple. So they go down to the temple and say, why are you preaching? Well, because we follow God's authority, not yours, not humankind. So that's into five, roughly. And Gamaliel, who is a leader associated with Paul later on as one of his teachers, but on this council, says, you know what? Forget about him. You killed Jesus. We killed Jesus. The head of the snake is cut off. This movement will die out unless it's of God. And if it's of God, nothing we can do can stop it. Hmm. Sassy words of what is yet to come. But they all think it's going to die out. So they let him go, thinking that it will just die. So here we come into the sixth chapter. And now there are so many followers, so many believers, so many who've been baptized that they're starting to have administrative difficulty figuring out how to be a larger group of people. Their model had always been the temple and the temple structure, but something different was being born, this new understanding of church founded in Christ's name. So this particular day, some Hellenists, that means probably those that were in the diaspora, those who were Jews that were sent out uh, at some point and lived and now have come back. 
because Hellenist denotes a Greek understanding that they would be speaking Greek. They said, listen, our widows and our orphans are not being cared by you people. You said you would take care of them. And the 12 disciples are now overrun. They're trying to be faithful. They're trying to preach. They're trying to do all that. And into this comes essentially pastoral care. How do we take care of these people now that we have them? And so they use a model based on temple leadership. They chose seven, seven people who would be set aside to take care of, in this case, the widows and orphans, but they were assigned much more. And Stephen was chief among them. Everybody seemed to appreciate and see the gifts in Stephen, but the disciples again knew they couldn't do it all themselves and they needed help caring for their people and it wasn't getting done. And so they, hold, they held a group meeting with all the thousands of followers and they said, this is what we need to do. They set Stephen aside and again, six others to take care of those who needed help. So the ministry known as Stephen Ministry that is one that is congregational based that seeks to take care of members in the church, that comes from this story. Our diaconate, loosely based on this story. Sometimes in leadership, there's enough to do and we get sidetracked with what our real purpose is in church and that is relationships, proclaiming the word, taking care of people. Nobody can do it all. We all need to do it together. So deacons were set aside for this primary role, although deacons serve a variety of roles. And Stephen was chosen, and they said, the phrase is, because they could not withstand his wisdom or the spirit in his words. They could not withstand, which means that they tried to withstand. They tried to put up walls. They tried not to listen. And in this case, they literally put hands over their ears when Stephen had a vision of Christ at the right hand of God. They said, la, 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 la. You can't make me believe. It's right in front of me, but I'm not looking because that's bad for us. That's bad for our power. That's bad for our status. That's bad for the temple and the Jews and everybody at that time. But Stephen saw, and they could not withstand his wisdom or spirit. How do we get that kind of wisdom? So that those we speak with cannot but conclude that Christ is in our life, that God's Spirit is filling us up and overflowing our hearts. You know people like this. All you do is look around the room. There have been people all through your life that have been meaningful to you that you would even say are full of wisdom in God's Holy Spirit. Those are the people that we need to celebrate, to groom, to grow, because each of us need to become those people. We never know how other people see us, but it's often always so much better than we see ourselves. So often we don't know the effect that we have on others when we share faith, when we invite them to church, when we 
pick him up, to bring him to church, when we take him some bread, when we go to the hospital, when we share in Bible study, when we celebrate our fellowship as a congregation. There's so many interactions that we don't even know. You are people of wisdom and spirit. Look at that person next to you and say, you are a person of wisdom and spirit. Go ahead. And then say that right back to them. Seems a little silly, doesn't it? Wisdom and spirit? Wisdom? Me? Kind of Jesus wisdom? I'm smart. I know some things. I've lived a little bit, but I don't know about faith. Faith should not be separated from your experiences in life because they are completely entwined. Nothing you do in your life is apart from God. We talked about that with Wells this morning. You are never alone. God's spirit is with you. It's a matter of opening yourself and realizing that we are called to be like Stephen, who was called to be like an imitator of Christ. We are to be people of wisdom in the ways that God has gifted us. We are called to be people of spirit by realizing that the Spirit is in our hearts and lives and has a plan for you, for me, and for all of us. We are a congregation that is filled with wisdom and spirit. And that's not easily said by Stephen. Stephen sees what is coming. He sees that John and Peter have already been arrested several times just for talking about Christ. And Stephen continues to teach and preach to the point where they can't take it anymore and they decide to execute him on the spot. He gave his life and very similar parallels to Christ in his journey. They whipped up some false accusers. They did a kangaroo court just like they did with Christ in his, on Good Friday through his process. Those turned against him, fabricated, fake news, fake witnesses, all of it to have grounds to execute him. And as they were stoning him, as he is being hit in the head with rocks and dying and losing his life for his faith in Christ, very similarly to Christ, he prays that those throwing the stones would be forgiven. I don't know if I have that kind of faith. Maybe, maybe not. Somebody hurts me, I want to hurt him back. I'm sorry. But here, just like Jesus, Stephen is a bigger picture of what's getting ready to happen. Stephen is also part of a non-Jewish community. Stephen is not a Jewish name, which means he's part of these Hellenists that are from other places. It's the first time that the 12 are opening up and sharing leadership with other people in the church and opening up opening it up outside of the house of Israel to bring in those that would be considered foreigners, those who would be considered outsiders, to now help them in these seven who were chosen to administrate, to love, to be the church. Things are starting to change. We are starting to set the scene for Paul 
who starts as Saul, and we get just a little glimpse of Saul here, who apparently is right there when Stephen is being executed, holds their coats or they're at his feet, and he's all excited, he's happy, and then goes house to house, actively persecuting those who profess Christ. And that's just a little glimpse of Saul. We're setting the stage for Saul's conversion in a few weeks, who will become Paul. But today it's about Stephen. It's about him giving his life for what he knew he understood to be the better cause. As we talk about our Independence Day, think about those 56 signers on the Declaration. Were they protected? Was it easy for them afterwards, once it was known that they had signed this Declaration? On July 5th, or rather, when it was finally signed August 2nd, on the 3rd, all of a sudden, were we a solid nation broken from Britain and all was well, our army was raised, we were separated? No, it took time. These 56 were persecuted. Of the 56, the first five of them, five of them were tortured and captured by British troops. 12 of the 56 had their houses ransacked and burned. Two had sons whose lives were taken in service to the Revolutionary Army. One had two sons captured. Nine of them fought and died in the war or because of hardships resulting from the war. Carter Braxton was from Virginia, was a planter and a tradesman, and he watched the British Navy sink all of his ships. He died in poverty. Thomas Nelson uh, owned a beautiful home, and during the Battle of Yorktown, British General Cornwallis commandeered his house as a British headquarters. Nelson himself gave the word, the order to George Washington to destroy his home because it's where the British had set up their headquarters. John Hurt was chased from his home, from his dying wife's bed, and spent about a year in the woods living in caves. His 13 children, gone, dispersed on their own with a dying mother. He never knew what happened to them. After that year, he came home, found his wife dead in bed, his children gone, and died literally a few weeks later from what they called exhaustion. They gave their life for something bigger than themselves. They knew this was at risk. They knew when they signed it that they were not safe or protected, and yet with passion and dedication, they put their lives on the line as they signed their name. What do we do with that freedom we've been given? Paul says in Galatians, we haven't been given freedom, haven't been given freedom for our own self-indulgence or for our sin, but rather that we would be slaves to one another. That's why we were given 
freedom through Christ. In this nation, a very strong sense of servanthood to one another through and rooted in our faith and the faith of those who founded this nation with a strong sense of religious connectedness and a strong sense of equality, or at least we should seek that. What will we do with that freedom? What will we do with the freedom that Stephen died for, that Christ died for, that all those disciples that we claim to believe in, who all followed Christ as we seek to, what do we do with that? It is an awesome responsibility. Freedom isn't something that we take for granted or lightly, and yet we do. We're all spoiled in so many ways. We're spoiled by God's love because it's given to us. It's what we call grace. We can't earn it. We can't spend enough time in the homeless shelter till we get our salvation check. We earned it. We didn't earn it. Christ earned it for us on the cross and when he was raised on the empty tomb. What do we do with that responsibility? And in the same way, those who put their lives on the line, who continue to put their lives on the line, many of them in this building, to maintain that maintain the freedom that so many before them have earned. And today and Thursday, we celebrate as a nation. It's not something we can take lightly. We have responsibility in response to what's been done, the lives that have been given. In faith and through this nation, our faith undergirds and comes through that we can be the people we are called to be. Are we there? Of course we're not there. There are people still hurting. Like Jean Simmons' mom, she feels safe in this nation. Many don't. Many rights are still being infringed. Many don't have the same opportunities that others do. Our job is to help them. Yes, politics is sometimes a mess as we enter the next election cycle, it's only going to get more and more divisive if we allow it to be. Like John and Peter said, we don't follow your authority, we follow God's. And God is calling us to a higher existence, a higher sense of freedom than any back and forth, left, right, red, blue paradox does. We are called to be better. We are called to be bigger. We are called to share it. And with God's help and spirit, we will. How do we respond to the gifts of freedom, both from Christ today through Stephen and from this country? How do we respond? Let's go and find a way together. Amen.